Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we come to the Advent season, I want to read to you maybe a little unlikely thing. It's a press release from President Harry S. Truman on August 6, 1945, a couple years ago. Uh, Concerning the dropping, though, of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima, Japan. He said... Sixteen hours ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the enemy. That bomb had more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. It had more than 2,000 times the blast power of the British Grand Slam, which is the largest bomb ever yet used in the history of warfare. It is an atomic bomb. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. The force from which the sun draws its power has been loosed against those who brought war to the Far East. We are now prepared to obliterate more rapidly and completely every productive enterprise the Japanese have above ground in any city. We shall destroy their docks, their factories, and their communications. Let there be no mistake. We shall completely destroy Japan's power to make war. It was to spare the Japanese people from utter destruction that the ultimatum of of July 26 was issued at Potsdam. Their leaders promptly rejected that ultimatum. If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. Behind this air attack will follow sea and land forces in such numbers and powers as they have not yet seen, and with the fighting skill of which they are already well aware. On August 6, 1945, the heavens were rent. The mountains trembled, and an unquenchable fire fell from the sky. President Truman was right in saying that the atomic bomb was the largest bomb used in the history of warfare. It was a definitive moment of judgment against the Japanese enemies by the U.S. and the Allied forces for the the hope was the deliverance of the nations from war. And it filled the nations with fear that such great power could be released in a bomb. President Truman said that if the Japanese did not surrender a, rune of, a rain of rune from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth would fall on them. You know, while he is right concerning the means of fire as an implements of warfare, there have been instances where men have seen God himself rain down a ruin from the air, for judgment against his enemies with the result of filling the people with fear. Elijah, the prophet of God, saw just that. He was standing on top of Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal. They were gathered there for a contest to prove who the real God was. And it was a contest of fire. The prophets of Baal and Elijah, they each set up an altar. And upon the altar, there was wood and kindling, and on top of that, 
they placed a freshly sacrificed bull. Now the God who would come down in fire and burnt up the sacrifice, well, that was the one who is the one true God. So Elijah let the prophets of Baal go first. They worked themselves up into a frenzy. They were cutting themselves. They were whipping themselves as they danced around all day and into the night in attempts to arouse their God to answer with fire. But nothing. Then it was Elijah's turn. But before he called on the Lord, he had a moat dug around his altar. The bull was sitting on top. He took four large containers filled with water and he dumped it on top of the altar three times with so much water that the moat around was full. And then he called on the name of the Lord, asking God to reveal himself. And the heavens were rent and fire fell from the sky upon the sacrifice of Elijah, totally consuming the bull, the wood, the water, evaporating it, and even disintegrating the stone. The result? Fear fell upon the Israelites as they saw their God act in such an awesome way, and judgment came upon those 450 prophets of Baal who were then put to the sword. It was an awesome, in the biblical sense, display. The Lord came down out of the heavens and revealed himself as a mighty judge with fire and with brimstone. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. This is Isaiah's plea to God. He longed for the Lord to come down in a way that he did on Mount Carmel. Come down with fire and brimstone so that fear might be struck in the hearts of the nations and that judgment might fall upon the Assyrians and the Babylonians and all who would hold the Israelites in captivity. That judgment would come against the enemies of God and his, and, and his people for the destruction of the temple and for the death of so many men, women, and children. Oh, that you would come down and smite your enemies. Bring justice. Oh, that the Lord would come down from heaven and bring fire and judgment against this so-and-so who just cut me off. Right? Well, maybe you don't say it just that way. But let's be honest, the thoughts crossed your mind. The guy in the SUV who is texting on his phone, he is smoking a cigarette and drinking his coffee all at the same time when he swerves across your lane, just missing your front bumper by, by inches, right? Oh... Oh, that the Lord would send a police officer right now to bust this guy and bring about justice. You've been there. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's sometimes, oh, that the Lord would bring 
would, would open the fire and, and take care of these of a different political assuasion than myself. Oh, that the Lord would take care of these people over here who are celebrating things that I wouldn't celebrate. Hmm. It is, after all, only natural to want to have a sense of justice, right? Think back to September 11 in 2001. When it became apparent that the airplanes that were slamming into the Twin Towers weren't a random act of uh, an accident, but a calculated terrorist attack, there were feelings of, of anger and fear that were intertwined, and there was a desire to want to see God punish those responsible for the horrible attack. It wasn't far from our minds. I can remember hearing someone say, look, <laughs> the fires of hell are going to be hotter than that, in reference to the burning buildings, and implying implying that those who have wrought such evil would be judged by God. It is only natural for us to feel that way, a desire for God to bring divine retribution on those who have wronged us, to cry out to God in our fears, in our angers, in our frustrations, to come down from heaven and wipe out our enemies. But have you ever stopped for just a moment and considered what would happen if God actually answered yes to all those requests? What would happen if the Lord came down like he did on Mount Carmel and consumed the altar with holy fire? Would there be anyone left? Would you be left? See, that's the thing. If he did, we'd be asking him to bring down fire and brimstone on us as well. It was reported that in some private conversations, President Truman had some serious questions and, and reservations about using the atomic bomb in Japan. On October, or sorry, August 10, 1945, the day after the Nagasaki bomb, having received reports and photographs of the effects of the Hiroshima bomb, Truman ordered a halt to further atomic bombings. The Secretary of um, Commerce, Henry Wallace, wrote in his diary on August 10th, Truman said he had given orders to stop atomic bombing. He said the thought of wiping out another 100,000 people was too horrible. He didn't like the idea of killing, as he said, all those kids. A few years later, on July 21st, 1948, Truman confided some other private thoughts on the atomic bomb to his staff. As the chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission, David uh, Lilenthal, uh, recorded Truman's words in his diary that night. He said, I don't think we ought to use this thing, the A-bomb, unless we absolutely have to. It is a terrible thing to order the use of something that, and here he looked down at his desk rather reflectively, that is so terribly destructive, destructive beyond anything we have ever seen. You've got to understand that this is not a military weapon. I shall never forget that particular expression. It's used to wipe out women and children and unarmed people and not for military uses. 
Truman's candid comments underscored the indiscriminate power of the atomic bomb that kills civilians and non-military targets. Civilians. Women and children and unarmed people. Parents of preschoolers and kids in kindergarten. Mothers who are going about their daily routine, cleaning up. Dads playing ball with their kids. The enemy doesn't look so much like an enemy when you can see yourself in their shoes. The enemy doesn't look so much like one deserving death by fire when you can see them as other human beings, just like you and I. Isaiah writes, You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. Well, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Only if you did, we too would be judged. That terrible revelation strikes Isaiah that because of their sin, the Israelites were in danger of the fire of the Lord falling upon them as well as their enemies. Their sin had made them enemies of the Lord. In the face of this terrible revelation, all that Isaiah could do was throw himself and the Israelites into the merciful hands of their God. And he cries out, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O Lord, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Thankfully, this prayer of Isaiah has been answered. For God in his mercy has rent the heavens and has indeed come down. And he does it in an awesome way that we did not expect. God came down not in the fire of judgment striking fear in the hearts of people, but rather he came down in all humility coming down from heaven by the will of the Father to be born to an unmarried virgin girl. He came down not in fire upon the mountain to make the mountains quake, but in humility and in the service of mankind. He came in the form of a man as one made also from the clay of the earth so that he could stand with us as an enemy of God, not because of anything that he has done, but bearing our sin and our enmity. He came down and he cried out to his Father in heaven on behalf of those who have made themselves his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He came down and he died, taking the full fire of God's judgment upon himself. He came down and when he died, the earth shook. 
the mountains trembled. He came down, and from the lips of the Roman soldier, the grace and the mercy of God was revealed when he confessed that truly, this is the Son of God. Jesus came down in an awesome way, in a way that no one expected, so that he could stand in our place, taking God's fire upon himself, the wrath, the judgment of our sin, so that we might stand forgiven and that we might live. Now now is the time in the church here when we prepare to see our Lord who comes in this way. This is Advent. The time we look forward to seeing our Lord come to us as Jesus, the Christ child, born in Bethlehem, laid to rest in a manger. It's a time where we sing of our Lord who comes to make peace between us and with God. As the hymn goes, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled by the blood of Jesus. He comes in an awesome way in which we don't expect, and he comes to die on the cross to reconcile us to the Father and to give us life in his resurrection. Oh, that the Lord would rend the heavens and come down. The thing about our God is that he continues to come down in awesome ways and in ways that we don't expect. We're not just waiting for Jesus to come again in glory. No. He comes here today. He descends upon this altar, not in fire and brimstone, but in bread and wine, his body and blood. He comes down according to the promise of Jesus to be present with us as we eat his meal. He comes down to remind us of his sacrifice for us and to point us again to the cross where he made peace between God and man. He comes down now to forgive our sin for all those times where we want nothing less than God to come down and fire upon our enemies in our anger. He comes to give us strength to our souls so that we might actually forgive those who trespass against us and to live a life of humble service for others. He comes as a merciful potter to shape us and to form us more into his image. Oh, that the Lord would rend the heavens and come down. Well, one day he will come again as the king in all glory. And he will bring judgment upon the earth with fire that the world has never seen before, hotter than anything that mankind could come up with. He will come, and those who are not his will experience this fire. Men, women, and children just like you and me. For their sake, we speak to them about how Jesus did rend the heavens and come down to make peace between man and God. For their sake, we work and we pray so that they may be spared the fire from heaven instead experience peace on earth and mercy mild. For their sake, we love those who are God's enemies and forgive those who have wronged us to show others how the Lord comes to reconcile us to himself. For their sake we speak of the God who continues to come to his people in word and sacrament to act on behalf of those who wait for him. 
See, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is Advent. The coming of our God who has come, who continues to come, and who will come again in awesome and unexpected ways. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, the King of peace and the King who is coming again in glory. Amen.